Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and welcome to episode number 150 of Doctor Who Comics Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bement, your host, wishing you a happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, uh, whatever holiday, festive part, time of year you celebrate. Um, I, w- I wish you all the best, and thank you for downloading this special anniversary issue of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Um, I'm a lifelong comic book fan, so to me, you know, any thing that is divisible by 50 is important as far as celebrating an anniversary. And this is the 150th episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Not counting a couple of specials and uh, episodes I divided into fourths, that kind of thing. Anyway, uh, going on in this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel, we will start out like we always do, talk about the news, which isn't really all that much, so that will be quick and relatively short and painless. And then we will take a look at the latest uh, comic book offering in a way of Doctor Who, which is Liberation of the Daleks Part 2, which was brand new in Doctor Who magazine issue number 585. Just came out a couple weeks ago, so hopefully those of you who get Doctor Who magazine have had a chance to read it and uh, enjoy it like I did. And then we are going to have an interview with Robert Hack. Robert is somebody who I have chatted with uh, once or twice since uh, I started recording Doctor Who Panel to Panel. And uh, this time around, he is promoting his Doctor Who and the Daleks target novelization slash coffee table book. Basically, it's uh, the target novelization of Doctor Who and the Daleks by David Whitaker, but it also includes some really lavish, wonderful illustrations from Robert Hack. Robert is somebody who started out doing comic book art, doing covers and stuff for IDW back when they had the rights to Doctor Who. And his artwork has just uh, changed and metamorphosized, in my opinion, for the better. His artwork, I think, is just amazing nowadays, what he does. And uh, for those of you who have picked up this book, I'm sure you will agree that his artwork is just breathtaking. It's wonderful. It fits the story of Doctor Who and the Daleks really well. And for those of you who might not be familiar with Robert's work, if you do a search for Robert Hack and Doctor Who, you can see a lot of the illustrations that he has done, um, whether it be just regular comic art or some of the illustrations for Doctor Who and the Daleks. And it was nice to to catch up with him uh, not too long ago and talk about this book, talk about Doctor Who in general, and uh, just have a wonderful conversation. So it's nice to get back in touch with Robert Hack, and I think you'll enjoy this uh, conversation with him. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope uh, it gives you something to listen to during uh, Christmas, now that we are here on the cusp of Christmas Eve, and some people have uh, winter break and things like that. So this will give you a little something to listen to, and thank you very much for downloading it. So, with this intro out of the way, let's jump into the news. In Doctor Who comic book news, there's not all that much to cover. Looking at the calendar, back on December 8th, Doctor Who magazine issue number 585 was released, which is a couple weeks ago now. And so in a couple weeks, on Thursday, January 5th, Doctor Who magazine issue number 586 will be coming out. Outside of that, all is quiet on the comic book front. Nothing new from Titan Comics in way of news about upcoming stuff. Still anxiously awaiting Dan Slott's Doctor Who comics special that will be coming out next year. But outside of that, that is all I've been able to find out in way of Doctor Who comic news. So, uh, just under a minute on comic news, time to move on to a review. 
It's time to open the Pandorica on the latest Doctor Who comic adventure, which is Liberation of the Daleks Part 2. This is in Doctor Who magazine issue number 585, which just came out a couple weeks ago. Story is by Alan Barnes with art by Lee Sullivan, coloring by James Alfredi, uh, lettering, lettering by Roger Langridge, Marcus Hearn doing the editing, and of course the Daleks were created by Terry Nation. Just reading the little blurb on the first panel of the first page. Just to refresh your memory, this is continuing right on from The Power of the Doctor with the 14th Doctor taking on the Daleks back in 1966 during the World Cup. I think it was the World Cup. Or uh, some big soccer match. Anyway, the Daleks have come. Uh, people in this 1966 England aren't sure what to think of this. Um, but the royal box gets evacuated. But the doctor jumps in and says, Hey, Daleks, you know who I am. Why are you here? What are you doing? Uh, the doctor thinks that they're trying to get attention. And he has uh, is trying to get their attention and succeeds very easily. And once he uh, gets all the Daleks focused on him, that's when he makes a break for it and starts running off. Meanwhile, the uh, aliens that he thought had sent the distress call, who say, no, it wasn't us. Um, so the doctor is still kind of wondering where this alien distress call came from that he was answering. Uh, the aliens are talking about how it's probably time for them to go uh, somewhere else because they've seen all the sites they wanted to see in England, and now the Daleks are killing people and trying to take over. Uh, it's a good time for them to make a break for it. Meanwhile, the Doctor is making a break for the TARDIS to try to escape the Daleks and uh, also get them, lead them away, I guess, from everybody who is taking in the soccer match. And when he gets to the TARDIS, he discovers there's a young lady there who apparently, I'm guessing, since I'm American, I have no idea, I'm guessing this is the trophy for the soccer match that they were having. Um, it looks like she grabbed it before somebody else tried to take it. And the doctor tries to save her from the Dalek laser blast by shoving her into the TARDIS. And as he shoves her into the TARDIS, one of the Daleks on a uh, one of their hovercrafts with a big giant arm grabs onto the TARDIS and picks it up knocking the doctor out of the TARDIS, but knocking the girl into the TARDIS. And that's when the doctor is like, shut the door, keep it shut. Uh, I can talk our or your way out of there of the Daleks letting you go. And the Daleks are like, nope, we're not going to talk to you. And that's kind of where we leave things with a pretty good cliffhanger, full-page splash um, of the doctor and the Daleks. And as you can probably tell by the excitement of my voice, this second part of Liberation of the Daleks was jam-packed action from start to finish, all six pages. You have lots of Daleks. You have the Doctor trying to run away from the Daleks. Um, just lots of action in this. It looks like something that, you know, in time frame terms, these six pages probably take maybe 15 minutes. Enough time for the, the Doctor to get from the Royal Box back to the TARDIS outside of the stadium. So, assuming that the TARDIS is right outside the stadium, that's my guess. Um, but there's... It's, Lee Sullivan's artwork does a tremendous job of filling every single panel, every single page full of Daleks and energy and excitement. Alan Barnes' story, uh, granted this is a small snippet of time in this grand scheme of things, but, um, you know, it's amazing what happens in this. Um, 
And now that I think about it, considering how much time is supposed to take place for this entire story, probably less than 15 minutes, although I really can't see how the Doctor would get from inside the stadium to outside the stadium in less than probably 10-15 minutes. So maybe a little time concern there. That's just me kind of thinking out loud. Anyway, I really enjoyed the second part, um, which is good because this is the only Doctor Who comic stuff that's coming out right now. So it's nice to see that we're getting... uh, 14th Doctor story in continuity, uh, great artwork, great story, something you definitely don't want to miss out on. And uh, like I said before, Doctor Who magazine, this issue was just as good. Not just the comic strip, but everything inside was just as good as the previous issue. So now's a really good time if you kind of lapsed on reading Doctor Who magazine. Now's a great time for you to renew your subscription or start picking it up on the newsstand and uh, make sure you don't miss out. Make sure you check out Liberation of the Daleks. Uh, great job by everybody involved. Exterminate. Robert Hack uh, is someone who I've chatted with on Doctor Who Panel to Panel many years ago, and uh, he has a brand new project that just came out, uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks, the kind of a visual novel. And uh, Robert, it's great to chat with you again. Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh, not a problem. Uh, it was a pleasure to see you, uh, an interview with you as well as... Uh, there was a couple other people they talked to, I think, in the interview in Doctor Who magazine. Uh, how big of a treat was it for you to to see your name and your artwork in Doctor Who magazine after being a Doctor Who fan for all this time? I cannot describe the feeling. It's uh, <laughs> I I have been reading Doctor Who magazine, uh, picking them up in like back issue bins when I was a kid. So from the eighties, I, huh? I found I found Doctor Who magazine when I was a tiny kid, and it, it felt like some. It was an old back issue, so it felt like some weird tome that fell through time. Like, uh-huh. like as an American, there weren't toys. There, there, there. I didn't have the books yet. There, there was nothing of my favorite show, and like uh-huh. this, this just kind of fell from England. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my, my favorite show is real. It uh-huh. it has some kind of merch. <laughs> uh, do you remember what your first issue of Doctor Who magazine was? Oh, it's got. Um, it has. It actually has Hartnell on the cover, but I can't remember the number. Oh, okay. Uh, 40 yeah, something, I, 50 something. It was. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, way back, fairly, fairly early. Um, but yeah, it was, it was neat to see your artwork there. And uh, you have this new project that, that is out. Um, basically, it's kind of the, the target novelization of Doctor Who in an exciting adventure with the Daleks uh, for the big long title. <clears throat> but it's, you, it, it's kind of a visual novel in that you've done illustrations throughout the entire story. Uh, I guess my first question is, how did this project all come about? I was asked out of the blue. Um, uh, the you folks got a at random B- email. I did. Uh, the oh, folks yeah. at BBC Books, um, uh, uh, Richard Atkinson, uh, and a few others, they emailed me out of the blue. They had gotten my name because I had worked on some Doctor Who work at Eagle Moss. Oh, okay. I did a a series of prints uh, based mm-hmm. on ep- it was their episodic collection. I did I did Blink and I did the War Machines, and uh, they were looking for an artist. Someone at Eagle Moss suggested me, and it just it was an email out of the blue and so odd. Like, would you like to do this perfect <laughs> project for you? Uh-huh. And 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 of course, of course, I said yes. It's I I would say you were probably over the moon just to be asked. To go, you know, this is a kind of a dream thing, I would think. 
it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, okay, but also, what are the deadlines? What is the pay? I mean, you you uh-huh. do have to think of all these things, but in the back of your head, like, well, I'm saying yes, yes. <laughs> I, I I mean, un, unless unless it is totally unfeasible and I'm booked for something else, I mean, I kind of uh-huh. got it. Uh huh. So, uh, how many how many illustrations did you end up doing for this whole project? I know I. I saw the the Twitter picture of the stack of of artwork that you did. I was wondering how many illustrations there were altogether. I there there's sixty sixty something okay. sixty odd new brand new illustrations. It is it is as the the ad copy says lavishly illustrated. <laughs> uh, it is the original nineteen sixty four sixty five novel okay. uh, by David Whitaker. Uh, it is the unabridged uh, text, I believe. And uh, an awful lot of art from me. Uh, well, I, I, I'm one who's a big fan of your artwork. Uh, and I think your artwork is, your style is the perfect fit for this kind of a story. Something from the 60s that's kind of, you know, thrown back in time. Um, how did you, was it a combination of uh, the editor and you kind of picking different parts of the story to say, this would be a good uh, illustration to put in, or this is something we could use. Um, yes, it's about all of that. Kind of uh, collaborative process. Uh, what would happen is they'd give me a chapter, and they'd have a an idea of the layout of how they wanted, uh, you know, a a full page here, a half page here, a double page spread here. Okay. Um, and then working on uh, what are the key moments that you want to show? What are the, like the the props you want to show? The the emotion stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a mix of finding because we would go through a chapter, uh, nail all the big points, and then throw in a few smaller ones that would uh, that would that would entertain. Okay. <laughs> so you get like a uh, Ian entering the TARDIS is like a big moment. You can't not you can't not show that. Yeah. Meeting the doctor, the reveal of the Daleks. There are big moments that you're like, oh, the audience needs uh-huh. to see this. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, what going back and and reading the 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 storyline for this? Had you read the the target novelization before? Was was it something that was brand new to you that you hadn't seen? Uh, I had uh, when they uh, they came to me with a job and they're like, oh, here's what it is. And we've got this for you. I actually went over to um, my Doctor Who bookshelf and picked up the three copies of the novel I had already. Oh, really? <laughs> I had the uh, the American and the British uh, first edition paperbacks and then the recent uh, uh, facsimile reprint of the okay. original hardcover. Mm-hmm. So I, I had those two. Uh, to look at, which was actually really helpful because I was able to go through the original illustrations yeah. and and make sure that I wasn't hitting any of the same, uh, the exact same reference poses okay. uh, as the previous artist because I didn't I didn't want to replicate anything that had come before. Okay, you, you didn't have the even urge unconsciously, to, you know, did you you didn't have the urge to pick one just one and say you know here's my tribute to the original illustrator of of the of the novelization. There are a lot of tributes throughout. Okay. But I wasn't consciously trying to mimic. I was like, I gotcha. 
Yeah, there there is a lot of there are a lot of little Easter eggs I threw in to be picked out. <laughs> so so some, it's gonna some be a fun stuff from from all different versions of of Dalek lore. Okay. Um, so so yeah, for those of you who are just now getting the book or are interested in picking up the book, make sure you look carefully at the illustrations because you'll probably find lots of stuff you'll go, oh, I recognize that, or oh, I know where that comes from. Yeah, f- fun little treats, <laughs> fun little Easter eggs okay. for obsessive nerds like like me. Uh, since this is a, a novelization, for those, I, I think most people know that the, the novelization compared to the original episodes, uh, there's quite a bit of difference in several scenes in particular that were put into the book uh, that are not shown in the, on the, the TV screen. Um, did you use the, do some reference work using scenes from the, the original, uh, the Dalek story or the dead planet and uh, put, pick out scenes from there that you wanted to do illustrations of? Uh, yeah, but it wasn't so much scenes from the show because I, I had the, the DVD uh, next to me. So I, I was referencing stuff quite a bit, but okay. it wasn't picking out scenes, um, but things like props and and um, costumes, and, uh, things that tied it back to the show. But for, okay. uh, re- for reveals that we don't see, uh, we... In the book, see the Dalek uh, when when um, slight spoilers. Uh, there is a scene. There is a scene when Ian uh, reveals a Dalek. Okay. And in the book, in the book, we actually show this. In the TV series, uh, they they pan away from the the yeah. ultimate horror of the of the Dalek creature. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But what we do see in the episode is the creature's hand uh, sliding out from under a. Uh, a fall tarp. Oh, okay. And I really wanted to make the Dalek creature still have that hand. Like I'm, I'm creating a new version of the Dalek mutant, but it has to be what we saw <laughs> sliding out from underneath sure. the covers. Okay. Um, so did you have to work with your editor on what that was going to look like, or did they kind of give you a little bit of creative freedom to kind of do what you wanted to do? They gave me an incredible amount of freedom. On that, there there was some tweaking because uh, uh, the the text says the creature has one eye, but I might have gone overboard on the eyes because it looked cool. <laughs> uh, so so we did kind of play around and fix that. But uh, okay, uh, but throughout the book, an incredible amount of freedom uh, to to design it, uh, the costumes, the the locations, uh, creatures. Um, to design those as, as I envisioned, okay. they, they were they were incredibly um, open about me bringing my own designs. Okay, did did you have to do a lot of of research or reference for um, a lot of the illustrations that you did? As far as you know, looking back on the you know getting out your DVD of the Daleks and and saying what does you know these corridors look like or what does the the you know the city look like that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's it's really lucky that I am a huge nerd, <laughs> and particularly for Doctor Who books and magazines. I so I had a reference library already in place uh-huh. uh, for this gig. <laughs> uh, it, it was a matter of me walking to the other side of my studio and pulling all of the Hartnell stuff. 
Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, there was a lot of reference that I would dig out for specific, um, I mean, likenesses, of course, because uh, you do, you do want to nail those. Yeah. But props and costumes, uh, the, the food replicator, the, uh, well, the, the interior of the TARDIS, uh, the 1960s TARDIS with the, the big overhead contraption uh-huh. <laughs> uh, octagonal thing. Yeah. Uh, pulling up a visual reference that, uh, that is like so essential just to nailing the, the 60s Doctor Who style. Mm-hmm. Just to get it to look to to have that feel and that look that you want for the '60s stuff. Yeah, and, and beyond that, um, getting uh, in the in the opening chat. The opening chapter is completely different from what we see on TV. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, David Whitaker had to create a whole new origin for Ian and Barbara meeting uh, Susan and the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I have to find very specific reference for uh, Ian's Morris motor <laughs> car. <laughs> v- very specific reference for um, a 1960s uh, army lorry. But also okay. it's overturned, so you have to find out what the bottom, <laughs> the bottom of a 1960s <laughs> army lorry looked like. And, and I, am, uh, I am big into doing the research and getting things like that right. So, <laughs> so I was doing a lot of Googling to find the very specific trucks. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> what the they would look like overturned. <laughs> I, I'm trying to picture going to the library and trying to find that kind of uh, photo reference. It's like, yeah. you know, thank, thank goodness for the internet. Like, mm-hmm. you, this you is why, uh, this is why old illustrators uh, pre-internet would keep photo morgues. Uh-huh. And every time that they'd see something cool in a magazine, they just slice it out, throw it yep. in their files. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I, I am old enough that I was pre-internet, and I was doing that as a as a young artist. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember doing the same thing back in the the uh, late eighties, early nineties, when I was trying to get into to art and uh, having my own, going through magazines that I would just grab at random and cutting out pictures and having different folders for different things. But uh, the internet has totally changed that now. It makes a yeah. You don't have to have a big space in your studio to have that kind of thing. Oh, oh, you'd think so. But in this <laughs> in this year of 2022, I cannot throw away a magazine before I check it. Like, is there something that's going to be essential to me one day? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still doing that. Just in just case. case, just in case. <laughs> I'm trying to put, like I'm for for people that follow you like on Twitter and stuff. I know from time to time you post pictures of things that are in your studio or artwork that you've collected and books and stuff. I'm just trying to picture what your studio looks like considering, you know, having a photo morgue and having all your doctor who books and reference and stuff. It's like, you must have just like a collector's paradise in your studio. I am slowly building a museum around. (laughs) And not just because I turn slightly to my left and there is a full size canine and a bunch of Cyberman heads. But certainly, that's part of it. Uh-huh. Well, when when you decide to retire from the art gig, you can just open up your own little mini museum and charge people to come and take a look at all the cool stuff. When people when people like visit my studio to hang out, they it is it is slightly sensory overload. <laughs> I mean, there's there's comic art. There's a, there's a lot of movie. Po- I collect movie posters and uh-huh. uh, lobby cards. So there's a lot of framed stuff on on every wall. Uh-huh. So uh, how 
how long ago did you get the the gig or the offer to uh, do this book? How long did it take to get all those illustrations done? Oh, um, I think they contacted me late 2021, November, December. Okay, so I think, I think I think, and I think we actually started by January and finished midsummer, sometime in July. Okay, so so about six months worth of work to, yeah. to get them all done. Um, did you have to? Were you fitting this in amongst other projects that you were working on, or were you just focusing solely on this for for that time frame? I didn't take any major gigs, but I was uh I was doing some covers. I, I okay. did the covers for um. Uh, Blade Runner Origins for Titan, um, and a handful of other covers in that time. It's book illustration. Uh, it, yeah, it 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 takes six months. Took six months for me to do this, but uh, it is it is still not the uh, oppressive deadlines of doing comics. <laughs> so there were times for for doing covers. Uh huh. You just need maybe a, other, maybe other a movie <laughs> from time to time <laughs> because. Oh, Comics will, will work you 20 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, was this your first time doing uh, illustrations for a book as opposed to doing like comic book art? No, but but this is this scale was a first. Okay. Um, but no, I've, I've done book illustrations, uh, short stories, novellas, but but this full, everything full color, uh, fully illustrated. Like the book from front to back, this was a first. Okay. Um, did you did you find it easier to, or I guess, how much easier was it to do book illustration type work compared to doing comic book work? You know, it's comic books. You have you know anywhere from probably three to twelve panels a page that you have to do, but they're all smaller illustrations. With book illustrations, like you said. You had some half pages, some full pages, some double page spreads. Um, was it more of a challenge to do the bigger illustrations because you have to put more stuff into it? Or was it easier to do just because you're only working with, you know, one picture at a time compared to doing a, a comic book page? For me, it's a little easier. I, I, I can, yeah, I can only speak for myself, but for mm -hmm. me, it's a little easier to be doing book illustration than comics. It's, it's, it's a, an awful lot of work to uh, like every kind of book artist you know is very tired all the time. <laughs> yeah. Now this this is a a little easier on your schedule. Yeah, I I could see that because you know just thinking uh, if you if you think of a kind of book artist who's drawing a page a day, you know that's anywhere mm -hmm. from like I said three to nine or. Yeah. you know, illustrations in an eight hour period to do. Whereas doing a book illustration, if you're doing say a, a single page illustration, you have eight hours to work on it and you might, it might not take that long just because it's a single illustration compared to doing numerous illustrations. Yeah. yeah. There it's, it's a lot of work doing comics because each panel is its own composition and it has to work with a whole. And it, and yeah. it's, it's a lot of things to keep in the air at once. Book illustration has its own, has its own trouble and its own way of figuring it out. And it, and it's something that comics do feel a little more ephemeral because there are so many panels. Like you can, like if, if a panel is not the best panel you've ever drawn, well, 
well, deadlines are deadlines and you just kind of have to leave it. The book illustration mm-hmm. is a thing that will be, that will be looked a little closer. They'll look a little closer at this. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, they'll, the, they'll, um, they'll pan across the image a little more than, than they might if it's, if it's comics. Cause you're just from, because comics, you're just going panel to panel to panel to panel. Mm-hmm. This, you can just sort of languidly <laughs> focus. Uh-huh. Uh, so they so they, so they all have their complications. Sure. Sure. Um for for those people that are familiar with your work or maybe not so familiar with the work, um you are one of the the artists that I think of who kind of you color your own work. Mm-hmm. Um what what is your process as far as like doing a book illustration? Do you do you s- sketch it out um do the line drawing and then color it afterwards. And what kind of medium do you use to do your, your work? Oh, my work is just, <laughs> it, it is a collection of things that I figured out work for me and me alone. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause it's, cause it's so much trouble. Like I've, uh, I, I will tell you my process. And I have told this process to other artists and like, Oh, I'm going to try that. And they try it and they go, I'm never trying that again. That is too involved. <laughs> you, well, your artwork is, is definitely a style to, it almost kind of reminds me uh, in a way of Bill Sienkiewicz in that it's, there are times when I look at your, at your work and it looks like, okay, it looks to me like he's gone and done an illustration and then he's colored over it with gouache or water, watercolor or something to that effect. But then there's other times I look at it and it almost looks like you've done a pencil illustration and then you've colored it and then you did the the drawing the the ink lining over top of it and that is the case. Uh, okay. What I what I here's the process. I I do my layout. I sketch. Um, I sketch the illustration. Okay. Uh, and then that goes off for approval and 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 that they hopefully do. It comes mm-hmm. back. Then I, I take that small thumbnail sketch and I blow it up to uh, illust- an illustration board, mm-hmm. uh, penciling it. Then over top of that, I do my color. Okay. So I'm penciling over the over the pencils with uh, it's and it's soft pastel. It oh, is okay. by and large it is by and large soft pastel, some color inks, and uh, ink wash. Okay. And and then it's a and then it's inks over that. But the complicated part of it is. The illustration board I'm using, I've I've painted with gesso, an acrylic gesso, which is like a a base coat. Sure. And there's a uh, texture to my art, and that's that's from that. Those are the brush strokes of me priming the board. Okay. Is is it tough inking over pastel? No. Uh, the the inks I'm using uh, ha- haven't had a problem. Okay. I was just trying to think of because pastel. Me being a, an artist that has worked with pastel, you know, sometimes it's kind of like has like a, a powdery it, consistency. It, it, it is it or, is a chalky medium. Uh, yeah, but I haven't had a problem. Uh, this started years ago when I was actually working on Doctor Who sketch cards for okay. uh, I, I believe it was Strictly Ink was was the company. Okay, and and they wanted uh, color color cards. I think they they preferred having color cards. As opposed to black and white, and I think they paid more, so it may have just been me trying to get two more <laughs> two more dollars out of them. Yeah, but uh, every sketch card from every different company is a different quality of paper. 
Yeah, and, no, and none of them took ink well. <laughs> so I started putting down a base coat of gesso on the sketch cards mm-hmm. so that I could draw and it not look terrible. Because <laughs> the paper quality was just so awful uh-huh. and, so var- and so varied. So I wanted a consistent, uh, a consistent drawing surface. Yeah, so, I started, right. so I started doing it on the, on the cards. And it was one of those little experiments that, that not only worked, but like really clicked with what I do. Okay. So I, I then that transferred to, and it was actually years before I thought, oh, I should actually be doing this on comic art too. Because I didn't think, because no one is coloring comics with soft pastel. No. And, and that started because I wanted to do a sepia aged paper look on things. And like, that seemed like, the soft pastel seemed like you say chalky. It seemed powdery. Mm-hmm. It seemed it seemed like crumbling paper. Was that back when you were doing Sabrina, or was that? Even uh, this is this before is before that? this is before Sabrina. This this would have been around two thousand eight, two thousand okay. something something in that range. Okay. Uh, Sabrina came twenty fourteen. Yeah, I believe. And uh, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about coloring comics myself at all. I. I still think it's ludicrous idea. <laughs> like, eh, I'm, I'm a bit colorblind, maybe not. Uh, oh, but yeah. the you mean- yeah, the, the the editors on uh, and Roberto Aguera Sacasa, who writes Chilling Adventures with Sabrina, uh, huh. yeah, which probably mentioned that I draw, I also draw a comic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, I am the artist of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, which became the Netflix show uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and to uh, me, I think that was the the comic and the thing that kind of put you on the map. Oh, absolutely! That that yeah. is the the luckiest thing that has ever happened. <laughs> let's jump let's jump on a tangent here. How did you how did you get involved doing that? Was that uh, Archie Comics reaching out to you and saying we think your art style will fit what we want to do with Sabrina? I had done a few covers for Archie prior to this. Okay, and. They had just launched Afterlife with Archie. Yep, love that series. And uh, it's, oh, it's so good mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with Roberto and Francesco Francavia. Yep. Uh, the uh, Francesco's original plan was to do six issues and move on. You know, just like okay, uh-huh. just do this, then go back to doing Batman or Black Panther or one of the the many other things uh, that he's awesome at. Yeah. But that book was so good, he decided to stay on. But but when it was just the first six issues, uh, Francesco said, "Hey, I'm I'm only doing a few of these. Do you want to do the arc after me?" So he okay. he was going to suggest me to to Archie uh-huh. uh, to take over. Francesco sticks around, which is absolutely the right idea. That book wouldn't work with anyone else. <laughs> I hope that I I hope they backed a dump truck full of money up to him to keep him to stay, <laughs> but I, I think everyone just realized that he is the sole artist for that book. Yeah. Um. But with the idea that, so uh, Francesco thought I should be doing an Archie horror book. Okay. Uh, people at Archie are like, let's put him in an Archie horror book. So they all have me in mind for for doing something. Roberto uh-huh. comes in with Sabrina and go, what about this Robert Hack guy? <laughs> and every <laughs> single person is just like, yes. Uh-huh. So it is really lucky that I had just been working there, that I have a horror bent to my art. Yeah. And it was just a really lucky set of events. That's, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Everything to line up just right. 
Yep. So, yeah, your artwork on on Sabrina was, you know, just like I said, it's, if if you enjoy for the Doctor Who fans out there, there if you pick up the Doctor Who and the Daleks hardcover with Robert's artwork, if you want to see more of his artwork, uh, track down the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the collected editions. Uh, your local comic shop probably has them, and uh, it's some amazing work. It's the exact same kind of art style and uh, a really well told story too. I like it. Um, so, um, what other work do you have coming up that, uh, people might be interested in seeing that, I guess that you can talk about that isn't under wraps yet? Oh, I think everything is under wraps. I can say oh, really? I've got, I've got some covers coming out through, uh, Archie and, uh, Dynamite Comics. Um, yeah. I, I think everything else might be, uh, might be under wraps. I'll, I'll hush hush for right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, yeah. I, I try to let. It's all above my pay grade. I try and let the 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 editors and the people and and the uh, public relations people whose job it is to to unveil these things unveil them. So, sure. Uh, have have you reached a point in your career now where it's more uh, companies coming to you and saying we would like you to do a cover or do a project? as opposed to being the struggling artist who has to kind of send out, uh, you know, things to companies and say, and I would like to work for you. Here's a sample of my work. Or is it a little oh, bit of both? Oh, we're all struggling. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's freelance art. It, it is a constant struggle <laughs> to, to remind editors that you exist because they all know a ton of artists who, who are working and, and making good stuff. And, and it's and it's by and large a friendly community and 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 everyone's kind of nice and you want to give everyone work but but yeah it's it it is a constant reminder hello I exist yeah um so for doing this the Doctor Who and the Daleks book um how big of a joy was it to do this project number one uh, number two. Would you or would you not want to do another uh, volume of this kind of story? And third, if the BBC books came to you and said, all right, Dr. and the Daleks sold wonderfully, we want to do another uh, book, which story would you like to do to illustrate? Mm. Uh, it was the biggest thrill in the world. I, I love 60s Doctor Who. I'm, I'm a big Hartle fan. I'm a, I'm a big, Troughton is my favorite doctor. Okay. I I saw the original the original serial on TV as a kid in America because they played uh, they they started over from the beginning and played an unearthly child and the Daleks and they played okay. through through the uh, Pertwee years. Okay, was that kind on of the mid eighties on, on PBS and this yeah mid mid eighties eighty five eighty something something like that. That's about the time yeah when uh, they released them all to public television because yeah. I living in Iowa, I got to see Unearthly Child and stuff right when I was starting to get into to Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. So yeah, about the same time. Yeah, I I saw this growing up, and now to be able to do a version of it that's an illustrated novel that will be on people's shelves forever. Just, as a fan, it is inexplicably weird. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> it's so it's so cool, but just but just a little bit impossible uh, -huh. uh and and would i do another yes <laughs> I, yeah, i'm guessing you'd probably say in a heartbeat <laughs> i mean again it it it's still work so it comes down to 
uh, am I already booked for something else? Yeah. Um, will you pay me enough to live? Because it because uh-huh. it is six months of your life. Yeah. Like can 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 I function <laughs> with what you pay me? Uh-huh. Uh huh. But uh, you you also got to give a little leeway because it's Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and what would I want? Oh, what would I want to draw? Um, the, the, there are a lot of good answers there. Um, missing episodes is the thing that's close to my heart. Oh yeah. I would, uh, given the opportunity, I would like to adapt some of the missing episodes. Okay. Because uh, I because I love Troughton. I love that era of the show. And and to give a vis- a visual version of something that doesn't exist is is always been kind of uh, always been something I've wanted to do. Okay, I've, I've been I've been pitching graphic novels of the missing episodes <laughs> since I was working at IDW. Uh huh. So that would be fun, but also stuff um, from the the gothic era of the the Tom Baker, Hinchcliffe okay. Holmes era. Sure. Like, Seeds of Doom, I think, would look good in my style. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, image, image of Fendal. Yeah. That yeah, seems I, fun. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Uh, you're talking about uh, doing missing episodes. That begs the question then, if you were to do, say, um, uh, the moon base, mm-hmm. uh, Troughton, Cyberman story, and do a, an illustrated version of the novelization how would you go about doing, I guess the moon base isn't as great an example because two of the four episodes exist, but let's, let's, let's go with cyber or with a Daleks say they will go, okay, we want to do a a book of power of the Daleks Fountain's first story. Um, How would you go about doing reference for that? Would you go with the telestamps and kind of, and do some kind of, creating stuff on your own or how, how close to accurate do you think you could be on something like that? Well, with the target books, I would actually go back to the novel and, and I would, uh, I would say as close to the text as possible, but when there is opportunity to, to improvise, to bring something new to it, I would, if, if there are telesnaps available, I would probably try and stay close to those designs. Okay. If it if it's something whole cloth, I would uh, stick to the text, and then bring my own my own stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, to try to be as accurate as you can, and at the same time be true to the the story that people are reading. Yeah. Yeah. You you with with. This book and 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 fingers crossed going forward uh, with more of these. I mean, with with or without me, that the, what you have to do it is the novel. The novel has to exist on its own. Yeah. So you have to stay close to the text. Yeah, that, that you're because that's what the illustrations are for. They're to yeah can, and to embellish the text and give people kind of a. Uh, an illustration or a, a point of reference as to what they're reading in the story. Yeah, it really has to exist on its own as a thing. You you can throw in your Easter eggs. You can you can bring in designs from other stuff, but it can't go against the text. Mm-hmm. And I I know in the in the article in Doctor Who magazine, you I think you had mentioned uh, that 
the the illustrations, I think it was in the article, it might have been a review that I read, that the illustrations also kind of have to do a good job of telling you the story so that you could flip through and go from uh, picture to picture to picture and kind of get a gist or know what the story is about without even having to read the story. Well, I think that's the, the goal of illustration is to, to relay that information. So, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully you can. Um, I mean, with as, with as many illustrations as we did for this, um, uh, I think you could, you could almost make a comic out of it, mm-hmm. but, but, but yeah, I, I do think it, it carries from scene to scene that you could kind of piece that together. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but what, what uh, ideally what you're shooting for with with a project like this is that you have uh, the perfect mesh between uh, a, a really good uh, novel that you're reading along with the illustrations to uh, to embellish what what you're reading at the same time. Yeah, and I think that if I if I do that at all successfully, I think that's from doing comics for so long. Um, Take taking the scripts, the the writer's script, and and translating it for the audience. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's a yeah. Well, from I I haven't received uh, my book yet, but from from the pictures that I've seen, the article in Doctor Magazine, um, I've read a couple of reviews. I know David J. House spoke highly of your book. Um, it, it sounds like you you and the the staff behind this book have totally achieved what you set out to do and put together a really uh, great book that will, uh, you know, kind of supplement a, a Doctor Who collector who already has, you know, six different versions of Doctor Who and the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a new kind of lavish uh, edition for them to have to put in their collection or set on the coffee table for, for people to look at. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing all the, the work that you have done for this book. And, uh, Robert, I appreciate you joining me. It's been quite some time, and uh, uh, I'm sure somewhere down the road we'll chat again for whatever next Doctor Who-related project you'll have. Oh, thank you. And thank you for all the kind words, and uh, thanks for having me. This, this has been a blast. Oh, no problem. I, I, it's been fun to, to talk uh, art craft with you and uh, everything else, so thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Many thanks to Robert Hack for taking time to chat with me about his brand new book, uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks. I call it a coffee table book just because it has his wonderful, lavish illustrations to go with the wonderful story, um, the target novelization of Doctor Who and the Daleks. It hasn't come out over here in the States yet. Um, I do believe you can get it from places like the Book Depository online. Uh, Amazon doesn't have it quite yet. It should be coming out, I think, in January. But uh, those people over in the UK who have gotten it have given it very high praise. And from the illustrations that I have seen, I have no reason to argue with them. I think this is a wonderful looking book and something that you want to have on your bookshelf or sitting on your coffee table. So thank you, Robert. I appreciate you chatting with me. Likewise, I appreciate all of you out there who have downloaded this episode and taken time to listen to it. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Robert. I hope you enjoyed the quick review of Liberation of the Daleks. And I hope you and your family and your friends and everyone have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I will be talking to you next time from the year 2023 in the future. So until then, this is Jeremy Bement. 
saying bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who Comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel to Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you.